Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. And my name is Jeremy. We are here today to discuss Uncanny X-Men 267, the early September 1990 issue on sale July 3rd of 1990, cover price of a dollar. This one's titled Nanny, with a subtitle of Into the Fire. Is that what it is? I'm not actually looking at it. It is. I was right. How about that? <laughs> nice. Uh, this cover is a Wills Lee Weasek joint. Um, Lee, I would imagine, is our penciler. Is Wills and Weasek both inkers? Uh, Wills is a penciler. Wills Portatio. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, he will be taking over the book after Lee and Claremont leave. Okay. He's one of those superstars, too. So I think the foreground Jim is Wills. Oh, you think so? And the background is Jim Lee. Hmm. Interesting. And the inking is Bob Wiasek. Yeah. And the only thing being, no, I guess the whole thing is inked. Uh, okay. That's a guess, though. It could totally be wrong. It feels like this this woman in the front is not a Lee thing. It seems more like a Portacio thing. Everything else, even the gamut, kind of seems like a Lee thing. Uh, Gambit's got green eyelids, which is weird, but I guess they're still, maybe still doing the green power signature. Although I don't, they don't do that in this issue at all. They sort of do a, they do an eyeball power signature thing, but Mm -hmm. they don't do a, uh, yeah, there's no green eyes. Yeah. And don't, don't Gambit's eyes ultimately become pink or something like that? Oh, I don't, probably. I don't know. I don't know either. Uh, the woman on the cover is holding some champagne. She's got uh, Gambit passed out at her thigh. She's got her uh, his chin in her hand. There's some monsters taking out Storm in the background. Um, they're silhouetted in green. It's an okay cover. It's all right. Yeah. I'd get it as a t-shirt. <laughs> I mean, at this point, at this generation of comics, aren't you getting anything that's... Uh, a cover or uh, one of these covers as a t-shirt? Maybe. <laughs> okay. Not sure. Um, I'm going to call it as I see it, but this one, yes. Uh, and I'm not going to scan around nearby covers to figure out. Okay. Uh, yeah. Nothing about this cover really screams superhero. You take X-Men off and, and maybe you're, you've got like some uh, romantic uh, soap opera based uh, comic book in which the evil ex-wife has poisoned her husband. Uh, my copy is, and it just says, Gambit's in trouble, but there's a storm, and then it's missing on the horizon. That's weird. Well, I'm reading from Marvel Unlimited, and it says, there's a storm on the horizon. Storm trademark on the horizon. Yeah. You're, you're reading a legit copy. Mine must be bootleg. <laughs> All right, well, let's open this thing up. Uh, it is Nanny into the Fire. We don't get any credits. This is a classy book. You're on the very last page, so I don't know if you want to jump ahead now or you want to wait until we get there. I want to wait until we get there. Um, okay. Yeah, and I have reasons. So okay. uh, we get Leanne. Uh, she is the woman that the Shadow King possessed. However, I feel like she's been Jim lead up here. Like I, I feel like she was just a woman two issues ago, and now she's like super sexy, scantily clad Asian woman. She's essentially Psylocke. Yes, but since Psylocke's not in this issue, she she will have to substitute. Yeah, I, like if I was if I was skimming through this, I would assume that 
based on this art and based on the cover that this was a Psylocke issue. The the strange thing here is as we started out the story of the the Shadow King possessing this woman and I can't was she a nurse or was she a doctor? Do we ever know that? I don't remember. This isn't like a completely different woman, is it? It's the same woman, right? It's the woman that's been in the last three issues hanging out with the Shadow King. Yeah. Okay. Uh, she was not this domineering, and she also didn't really seem to care one way or the other about Gambit, uh, but now she definitely does. Which I have questions about. We'll get to that in, in, a, in a page or two. Sure. I have questions, too, because I feel like this wasn't an issue that was in my collection, because right around this time, I was kind of collecting sporadically. So this issue and the last issue, I don't think I picked up right away. I think I got them later. But mm. but anyway, so whenever I look at this cover, I see, uh, spoilers, Banshee, or Banshee, uh, Gambit's wife from the future from the past so but maybe it is the same person i don't know so spoilers <laughs> i thought she was blonde but oh she could I, be i i don't i don't totally follow that storyline all that well it happens in the in the early jim lee era and uh S- same here I, and i don't I, that's when i sort of fell off the planet in terms of where these storylines end up going the only association is that there is a sexy woman holding gambit's chin on the cover and so yeah. <laughs> I just immediately assume like, oh, that's what's her face, the Cajun woman who hates Gambit. But this is a different woman, I guess, who hates Gambit. Anyways, I'm going to go with it's a different woman until we learn learn uh, otherwise. Sure. So it's a full page spread. She's got these uh, uh, the the rich people, I guess they've been turned into hounds and uh, she's. And now they're menacing. Like they've been gym lead up too. Oh yeah, they, uh, they're super scary now. They don't look anything more like uh, like last issue. I had commented that they looked like uh, Rachel's hound. Mm-hmm. Uh, now they don't. Right. I'd want to know where these spikes are coming from that are coming out of their like necks. Are these real or are they just part of their costumes? Yeah. Where did they get these costumes? Did the Shadow King have them made up? Well, sure. He's the Shadow King. They were probably in the closet. They, these are probably like kinky S&M costumes that Could these be. rich people had. Um, yeah, I mean, if you look back in the last issue, and I'm just flipping back to the last few pages, the hounds are, as you mentioned, uh, kind of wearing like Rachel's spike suit, but they look like angry human beings. Uh, here they look like full-on evil goblins. Well, little human uh, goblin hybrids. They got spiky evil teeth and evil eyes. Um, they've got like the one guy here with, that's got like a mohawk that's kind of not in the foreground, but a little bit in the background. He's got like spiky fingers. Which just seems, how does, I mean, maybe maybe the Shadow King is also a body manipulator somehow. I'm guessing that Jim Lee didn't draw last issue. And I don't have to guess that because I know he didn't. And uh, he had an idea for how this story was going to go. He saw how that book was drawn, and he's like, ugh. And then he just drew his own thing, and Chris Claremont put words on top. Yes, that, that <laughs> definitely seems to be the case. Which I'm okay with, right? Because as, as, a, as a child of the 90s, who's looking probably more at su- style over substance, I look at this issue, and I'm like, whoa, look at these, look at these drawings. Look at these pictures. <laughs> They're so nice. Cool. 
Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I definitely can't argue with that at all. Like Jim Lee, for me, is the, I don't know, I was into comics, and then the '90s happened, and then was like, oh, Jim Lee is the best artist there is. Right. And even even today, like maybe I don't feel that now because I'm a little bit more uh, less into that kind of 90s-esque style. I still love it, but it's it's not kind of like my favorite thing anymore. But I still like, I don't know, you kind of get jazzed up like when you when you have your little nostalgia moments. And this is kind of that for me. Sure. Yeah. So the uh, Leanne here and the hounds, they're, they're tracking down uh, Storm and Gambit. They think that they have found her at this abandoned airport. And uh, the Shadow King, he's like, do what you will with her accomplice. But Aurora, I want her alive. And the Shadow King looks way different than we've ever seen him before. He kind of looks like Mr. Sinister. But, I mean, he, to be fair, he is a face in the sky. So yeah. he can look whatever he, like he wants to. I think it's just the coloring that makes him look like Sinister. He's white. He's got like a little pencil mustache, got red eyes. Uh, yeah. Definitely a Mr. Sinister vibe. You can barely see because he's got kind of like that whole Fu Manchu thing going on. You can't really see it here. Um, but anyhow, uh, she releases the hounds and we get <laughs> <laughs> Smithers. We get our first kind of Jim Lee dynamic person leaping into the air. And it's it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's not one of his best, but it's still pretty neat. I, I mean, we've seen Jim Lee do some fill-in issues of the X Men. He's done—I don't want to call it a fill-in because he's done uh, good work on those. But I feel like this issue is like, look at me—I'm Jim Lee. Here are my poses and my layouts. Because on the next yeah. page, we get dynamic layouts. Yeah, we talked about that with like Todd McFarlane, Rob Liefeld. The the big thing about them was that their dynamicism is, it feels new, even though it's really kind of, you know, an extension of like Neil Adams, John Byrne. Yes. All of those guys that are names are known for doing dynamic poses and dynamic layouts. But for some reason, something about the 90s, like feels like it kicked it up a notch, especially, I don't know if you're checking out like McFarlane's Spider-Man. I mentioned it last episode, but it is bonkers. Oh, I yeah, I should read those again. I think I said I was going to. Um, I think what we're seeing here, and you're absolutely right, we definitely commented on uh, the the artists of yore who kind of blazed the trail, uh, but these guys picked that up and and like took it to a whole new level. They they cranked it to eleven, um, and I don't know, audiences were ready to to see this and. Old like hotcakes. Heck yeah, man. So they, they just they just did it more. How many times, Adam? So there's a picture here of um this is one of my favorite um gambit poses, and I think we get multiples of this in this issue. It's the thin panel, and you get just like his hands hair and his eyes. That's where you get his his little red eyes. Yeah. How many times did you like redraw that yourself? I sh- that seems like the type of thing that I would have redrawn, but I was I was main, mainly drawing turtles at this well, time. I I would draw this panel like just over and over and over again, and I I got pretty good. I mean, just just kind of like sight drawing and and you know competently uh, mimicking. Like I could never do it like a free form drawing that looked like <laughs> this, but looking at it, uh, I would I would I would be able to replicate it, and I was like, ooh, that's so cool. Yeah, this is cool. It, it it's this this style of art has this sense of cool because it's very in touch with 
I don't I don't know, like being speaking speaking as a child of the nineties, <laughs> uh, it just it it resonated with us somehow. And this is where like I was like, Ooh, I want bangs. I want I want straight wispy bangs that, that hang in my face. Yep. All came from Gambit. And we both had trench coats, as I recall. Yeah, eventually. At one point or another. Yeah, trench coats were, trench coats were awesome. Yep. Still are, really, but I feel like you might get uh, second looks if you walk around in the middle of the summer with a trench coat <laughs> these days. Back yeah. then, yeah. you could do it, and people were like, eh. Uh, he's just homeless. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah, so Leanne, she wants to get, uh, she, she, she wants to get Gambit. Gambit, now, as we've been talking about him, he's like, uh, Winds rise and storm, and storm's like, so? And he's like, I got a bad feeling about this. Yeah, he does He does sort of do the whole Star Wars thing. Possessions can be replaced. You're gambling with our lives. I, Adam, I was thinking about this a lot, and, and <laughs> the, the only voice for Gambit is the X-Men the Animated Series voice. No, you can't be, you can't be held down. By what's come before. You have to brave new ground. No, I think, you know, when, when perfection comes along, you don't fight it. You embrace it. Mm, no, no. <laughs> We're doing a comedy show, so I'm going to stick with my guns here. Oh, all right. The more it annoys you, the better. It doesn't really annoy me. I just, it's, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I see that you're not doing that perfect animated version of Gambit. You're not even making an, an, an imitation or impression of it. Yes, but I, I can't, right? The the actor <laughs> who portrayed him on X-Men the Animated Series, he he's so got it that anything that I do would just be a pale imitation. See, I never was like a big watcher of that show. I, I saw a handful of episodes, probably because you were watching it, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I never really uh, got into it. So for me... That doesn't 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 hold a candle. So the 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 one thing I will say about X Men the animated series was all of like you could tell that they spent like three weekends and recorded like all ninety six episodes. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it's very the 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 dialogue is very stilted. There's very little emotion in it. Um, but the voice actors that they got to play every one of those characters are like, yeah, I I can that that sure sounds like what Cyclops would sound like or Rogue or Jean or Gambit, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas my big, one of my biggest problems with the X-Men movies is, you know, you see uh, James Marsden as Cyclops. He doesn't sound like Cyclops and he doesn't look like Cyclops. But is that because of the animated series being the first like real concrete uh, characterization of these, of these voices, you, you begin to associate them whether or not initially they meet your expectations or not, they're they're good enough that you're like, okay. And then you watch 96 or so episodes, <laughs> and it just it's stuck in your head. Probably. And then you see James Marsden, and you're like, that doesn't sound like the guy <laughs> in the cartoon. It very well could be. I think the other thing that, that sticks out in my mind with X-Men, the animated series, was it was one of the first cartoons to not, like, put a talking car in the show <laughs> or do, like, you know, Super Friends was fun. But, like, you know... It, it just they they took a lot of liberties. They made cute things. And X Men the animated series was like, here are your favorite characters from right now. It's not like an amalgamation of various characters from uh, all over the place. Um, it was like this is the comic now, and these are your characters, and we're doing stories that you more or less recognize. Yeah, it's kind of like the, that was uh, awesome. 
the uh, Avengers Assemble cartoon sort of did that. They took they they took the the the, the current lineup, which was the movie Avengers, of course, and they just did the old stories, and they were very uh, close to the to the comics, which just made it somehow more interesting. Yeah, it's kind of like I know that it's got that I know that factor. I hope I really hope Disney doesn't squander this. I, I hope they make either an X-Men cartoon or, or an X-Men live action TV show. I don't, I don't need an X-Men movie. I've decided. Wow. Well, you were <laughs> getting one because ka-ching. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. We might also get five TV shows. I mean, they just announced like 10 Marvel TV shows and 10 Star Wars TV shows. And so they're, they're, they're making a stab. Oh. This is the direction they're going in. It's TV shows right now. Speaking of which, uh, We'll have to, on the next uh, Patreon edition, we'll have to do a little uh, um, Mandalorian chat. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you don't sound very excited about that. I have mixed feelings about mm, this season. So perfect. Look forward for that. I can't wait. Well, there you go, everybody. Just, just stop listening to this episode and go find the Patreon episode where we talk about the Mandalorian. Might not be out yet, but <laughs> if it isn't, it will be. Yeah, and just come back and listen to the rest of this. So uh, we learn that one of Storm's powers is to turn herself into kind of a wafy-looking anime child. Yeah, this is the Jim Jim Lee eye influence. Um, As a kid, I never really associated Jim Lee with anime, and that's because I didn't know a lot about anime. The only thing we knew about anime as kids was Speed Racer, and I don't think we knew that that was anime. That was just yeah. some weird cartoon that was that on was a TV just show weird. for some reason. Japanese cartoons are weird. <laughs> um, yeah, and and I think like rereading these, you see the influence of those earlier artists that I mentioned, but you also see a heavy anime influence that. I'm appreciating really for the first time. Yeah, I don't mind it. It's just a little weird because in the the one, two, three, fourth panel here, we see Storm. She's kind of in the cockpit and she's like, "Hey, I'm I'm trying to get us out of here." And she looks like a kid. Nothing. She's got yellow eyes. But then we go to the next page and she's got these big bulbous eyes, anime eyes, and then she's got real thick anime lips. Uh, and it just looks like she transformed. And she's also got, like, her power signature around her. So it kind of looks like she morphed into a different character. Hey, at least she's wearing the same costume. I know. And, and I know that it's <laughs> it's where we're going from a, a medium shot to a close-up. But it, Yeah. And it's a good – don't get me wrong. It's a good drawing. It's a great drawing. It's just – it's it's kind of – you can definitely see that there's a new artist in town. Yeah, I think I think it's – whenever there's a new artist, you and, – and if it's a regular artist, there's probably an adjustment period where you get used to their – flourishes yep and this i think is like a jim lee flourishes like close-ups are vastly more detailed than the uh wide shots which is great which is i think probably another reason that we like jim lee so much uh so the plan here is that um they want to lift the plane up using storm's wind powers gambit's like oh you can fly us around flying an airplane around that that might be a little bit much this is my home i will not leave it which is strange i didn't really I mean, why? It's just a plane. I don't know. (laughs) And I don't know that it's really well explained. Um, But before she can explain why, the hounds burst in. And this is where Gambit charges up his eyes. They're not green this time. Uh, I guess uses his eyes. It says, eyes flash and a playing card begins to glow. Charged full of energy in less time than it takes to tell. 
Were there playing cards last issue, or is this the introduction of the playing cards? This is the introduction of the playing cards, and he uses them fairly exclusively, so I feel like this is like Jim Lee's like, you know what? Playing cards are pretty cool. Yeah, sure. I'm going to go with playing cards. And you're able to create this really cool uh, power signature, this kind of like halo effect around him where the, the card's spinning out from the halo. It's cool. It's cool looking. Yeah, you get, you get the arc of the throw. Mm-hmm. As though it was sending energy behind as the, like right before he throws the card. Yep. And so he hits the hound in the chest with the playing card. He, he flies out of the plane and uh, Storm is able to lift the plane with the wind power. So consistently with the last issue, the power seems to generate out of his eyes. Yes. Uh, not like the last issue. It doesn't seem to take forever to charge <laughs> things up. And it's not green. There's not like a slow, oozy green that covers the object and then eventually charges it up and then he throws it. This is just, I mean, he's like his mouth is wide open here. He's clearly letting out a sonic scream as he charges up his card. Ah, (laughs) a pleasure, Sherry. (laughs) And they fly off. Some of the hounds get on top of the plane. So Gambit gets up there and he's got a broom that he spins around in a cool bow staff maneuver, but ends up just kicking the guy in the face, which is very Indiana Jonesy. Leanne is watching, um, and we forgot to mention the part that we had alluded to before, oh. where she says, the girl is so important to the Shadow King, but so is the boy to me. Mm-hmm. There's a debt between us I dearly look forward to, staking strip by strip out of his hide. And I thought maybe it was just like what happened to him last issue. But I went back and nothing really happens to them where he, I don't know, does anything to her that she would want revenge. So I feel like this is a backstory that we just don't yeah. have, which is very coincidental. Yeah. Leanne, who has been taken over by the Shadow King and is trying to capture Cairo, or uh, Aurora takes over this place inside of Cairo that uh, Gambit then also happens to be around to steal from and they all happen to meet up at the same thing you know comics yeah totally plausible but yeah that kick is that kick is pretty cool and we also get uh he he brings out a uh, broom yes which is like his uh eventually he would have a staff and this is kind of the first you see of the staff where he's spinning around his broom there's a weird shot where they cut to the hellhound uh but the word balloon is coming out of the hellhound's mouth the hellhound, so, hell hellhound is the hellhound able to speak, or, or is because okay, okay I am confused because uh you get following the spinning staff take your best shot if you dare, and it seems like it's all Gambit's dialogue. Yeah, this confused me a little bit because, and at first I thought the middle panel was it's Gambit. Same here. The hair's wrong, and he's also got vampire teeth, yeah. so it's clearly not Gambit. And the reason it confuses you or me rather is that. Both the Hellhound and Gambit have a headband. Right. And I was like, oh, and he's talking. I think that's just a mistake. So maybe not. I mean, maybe it's follow the spinning staff if you dare. And then the other guy's like, take a rest shot. Which, uh, but it's it's done in such a way that I did like, I'm only realizing this now. Yeah, no, I, I see it. It doesn't, it, it's a little confusing. Clunky. Clunky. We get, uh, in that awesome kick, we get uh, Gambit's stripy pants. 
still live without. The sound effect of him kicking the hellhound in the face is boot. Boot. <laughs> um, yep. So they fly off, and uh, I guess they, I don't know where they are now, but uh, Gambit's sweeping the ground. Oh, he's sweeping the top of the airplane? Yeah, he's cleaning it off because he made a mess. <laughs> he's on top of the airplane, which is, uh, yeah, I guess his hair is blowing around, and he's able to just kind of, you know, coolly stand up there sweeping away as the wind is probably exerting a lot of G-forces on him. I'm assuming Storm has a protective field around him sure. of some sort. Shadow King twisted him up and inside and out, took what was bad, made it worse, worse as it can get compared to that death of mercy. And then we get a really weird uh, profile. This is is not one that I tried to emulate because it looks like he's got a double chin uh, and his chin sticking way out. It's like some other artist stepped in for just this one panel. Jim Lee's trying a different side profile. Yeah, didn't work. Didn't work. Uh, There's another hellhound, though, that was in the background who jumps out and snaps Gambit's broom. Whoa, no way for a lady to behave. (laughs) Sherry. (laughs) The plane pitches, and uh, I guess the hellhound loses uh, her balance and goes flying off. And it turns out that that's uh, because of Storm. She's controlling the stuff, and she, uh, from the sounds of it, it's an old grudge between Storm and the Shadow Lord. Now I'm a part of it. Should be fun. You got control of this crate, Sherry, or what? And this is kind of an interesting uh, two panel here. So you get the first one where Storm's got kind of like a mischievous look on her face. It almost looks evil. And then we go to the next panel where she's kind of like back as normal Storm. And at first glance, it almost looks like, oh, I wonder if Storm's possessed. Oh, yeah, I didn't get that. I thought it was just another kind of off characterization sort of thing. She's a scamp. Yeah, but Storm is not, which is why this seems a little out of character. It's just a bad drawing. <laughs> I think it's a good drawing. It's just, it's not Storm's, um, it's not how Storm would react to anything ever. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. It's a bad drawing because it misrepresents uh, her. But it's, it's a, a competent good drawing. drawing. As anybody else. It's, oh, it's, yeah, a, it's a good are... drawing of a mischievous child. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then she says, one good rescue deserves another. I like my scales balanced. Merci Boku. You going to be flying this brute? You gonna be okay flying this brute? You gonna be okay flying this brute? <laughs> For how long? You know, who was the guy? Who was the I guarantee guy? Remember the him? I guarantee guy. Yeah, I, I do remember him. I don't know who he was. Was there. he selling uh, barbecue uh, sauce or was he selling potato chips? <laughs> I'm gonna Google it. I guarantee. guarantee guy. He came out with the popularity of Crocodile Dundee. I feel like Crocodile Dundee movies came out and then there was an A-Guarantee guy. It's Justice Wilson, the Cajun chef, and his famous tagline was A-Guarantee. So I think what we need to do is watch Chef Justin Wilson videos and we got to make that Gambit's voice. I think that's what you need to do. (laughs) I'm all right. (laughs) All right. Uh... So they're like, well, what are we going to do? We, uh, I don't know. They're like, let's let's go steal stuff. Yeah. uh, He, Gambit uncovers a photo of the X-Men, which he thinks is kind of interesting. He asks her about his, her knife and she uh, 
thinks back to her past. She's kind of confused about how she's got to be in America when the last thing she remembered was being in Cairo. And she has a flashback scene where we get an attempted rape, which is another Chris Claremontism that I could live without. I just, you know, this yeah. doesn't seem Question. appropriate. Yeah, it's not appropriate. X-Men comics. I agree. I like my comics to be light. Is it Marvel Method and Jim Lee drew this, or was this Chris Claremont's idea? And it wouldn't surprise me if it was Chris Claremont's idea. Chris Claremont has had a few instances of rapey elements in comics oh, yeah. since we've started reading it. So I feel like it could go either way. I mean, I don't know. I don't know enough about Jim Lee to know whether or not he's in. Like, I feel like this would be a thing that Rob Liefeld would do where it's like a like a cliched sort of woman gets attacked by a man sort of thing. Uh, I don't know if Jim Lee is like that. And I don't know how much the story is being written by Jim Lee as, or if it's just kind of, they're just kind of sharing the main duties really. Who knows? Well, she's able to take care of herself. She stabs the guy. He's dead. Uh, and then yeah. she, she runs away. Uh, in the the pictures, she sees or they stumble across another dark skinned woman with white hair and blue eyes with a mohawk and a leather jacket. And uh, Gambit is like, I'll guarantee she looked like you. <laughs> Interesting puzzler, eh? Any relatives you don't know? Ow! Well, Storm is also like, uh, or Aurora here, she's like, it's a photograph of a grown-up. Sort of indicating that, like, it's not me. Yeah. And that's when the nanny ship grabs the floating airplane. And uh, they're about to get attacked by nanny when Storm has yet another flashback. And this is where all of the pieces are put together, which is kind of handy because I had forgotten about all of this. So Storm... Uh, as she was flying up, so way back in the outback, she was dragged up into the ship. And as she was kind of uh, being held against her will, she saw a duplicate body with her costume. And she's like, hey, that thing looks like me. Uh, it went and touched Storm, kind of uh, absorbed her features, or not absorbed, but like took on her features. And that's when Nanny's like, oh, it's a shield life uh, model decoy, which I'm to understand is a thing. Yeah, the LMD is a thing that always shows up in Shield-related comics, and like half the time you would be like, "Oh no, I shot Nick Fury." Luckily, it was an LMD. <laughs> so then we get more uh, uh, story here that uh, uh, Nanny coerced psychically, I guess, Havoc into uh, taking out the ship but toned back his powers to make it look impressive, but not really do all that much damage. And so from the larger nanny ship, she tossed out a smaller nanny ship that contained a Storm LMD. And really, I don't know if this is what they had planned from day one, but it feels kind of retconny. It's a little overcomplicated. And, and retcon is probably too strong, because I'm sure Chris Claremont from the moment they wrote Storm died, was like, we're going to bring her back because all of the X-Men are coming back. I just don't feel like this is what they had in mind. Maybe not this exactly. Maybe a little bit. I mean, the the problem is it's it's just too complicated. Yeah. It's like you don't need any of that stuff about Havoc. Yes. Maybe that's where it goes a little bit too far. because And, and, and maybe Chris Cronin really wanted to make sure that Havoc was not implicated in the death of Storm because at some point Maybe. needed... 
havoc to come out of that guilt trip. But, you know, well, but um, I, I also he could have also just written it later as like, don't worry about it. You didn't kill me. It's <laughs> yeah. all good. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the story, as I recall, was like Havoc's like, I got to cut loose. Oh, I'm getting angry so easy all the time. And then kind of the culmination of that is him blowing up the nanny ship without really thinking and taking out Storm. But then he gets sent into the Siege Perilous and the Siege Perilous gets you an opportunity to start over. So I don't know, like that whole thing that you just mentioned could have just naturally taken care of itself by way mm. of Storm is alive, she didn't die, and Havoc can come back as a nicer, better person. But anyways. It's just the the, the plot is convoluted. Oh, I'm going to coerce uh, Havoc to shoot my ship, but I'm also going to reduce the amount of power that he has <laughs> right. so that it just looks like it's being shot. And then I'm going to, you know, it's just like, it's it's just convoluted. Yeah, I agree. And I wonder, part of it is, as they were writing this, they're like, ooh, and you know what else we could do? Ooh, and you know what else would be kind of cool? Ooh, and then they just kept going. Yeah. Uh, or Jim Lee drew all of this, and, and Chris Claremont was like, mm, okay, let's throw some more words on here. Well, even even if Jim Lee just drew it all, it could just be a, a flashback of the moment. I mean, it doesn't have to be, like most of these are words That's that true. puts into Nanny's mouth. There's only one panel of Havoc, so... You can't blame Jim Lee for this. That is true. And really, you could probably take away all of these words and get everything you need. Yeah. It's just a flashback. Yeah. You just show all of this. And it's really cool. Like, that you got thick black borders of your panels. Um, it's like a blue, black, and white and yellow motif. Um and you could get, you don't need to know that it's an LMD. You see the body, you see it going into Storm, you see Havoc shooting. That I'm fine with because it's not over complication. Mm -hmm. It's um, all the dialogue. Just over explanation. <laughs> yep, yep, I agree. So anyways, uh, that done with, so that, that's that's what happened to everybody. Um, and so Nanny is, is now here and she's, she's about ready to capture Storm. And uh, it's a hologram though of nanny kind of freaking out storm so gambit rationalizes that if he can't deal with this hologram of nanny with her pet boy breathing down my neck say bon nuit gracie he charges up a card tosses it out hits peter peter goes flying who knows take care of him maybe she'll go away in the bargain worth a try and uh she, she nanny does she's like peter murdering brute although nanny there's a hole nanny there's a hole in my armor it hurts it's weird that she calls gambit a murdering brute because peter's not dead she doesn't know that well, i guess you're right maybe she knows that he's a murderer in the past i don't know <laughs> he's only a baby and so they they escape. Uh, and then this last panel uh, on the page, another strip of, of Gambit with his eyes, hair in his eyes and the one eye and the headband. I used to recreate this one as well. <laughs> Storm almost crashes the plane because she's a little bit in shock and Gambit talks her out of it and gets her, hey, we need your wind powers. Uh, we can't fly the plane without you, so uh, snap out of it. So they make their way somewhat. You know, there was a reference in here about Gambit driving a car, and we missed it. Was there? He 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 says like I could drive us or something. I know. In the last issue, he mentioned his car. He doesn't say like car here, but he says like we could drive somewhere. Oh well, you know, but, 
I can see Gambit stealing her car. I just can't see Gambit saying, hey, my car is parked out back. And you know, like, it's Gambit, right? So he's he's got, like, I got the the words, I got the hair, I got the trench coat, but he just drives, like, some crappy beater Toyota (laughs) (laughs) with, like, a tape deck. It's got, like, one ACDC tape in it. Whatever the coolest car in the 90s. He's, like, 25 years old, but he keeps rolling up to his high school. Anyways, so they they escape. They make it to like a cabana or hotel or something like that. And uh, Storm is having a dream of being captured uh, by Nanny and and fulfilling her destiny of going inside one of the robot things. And she's like, no, I've got claustrophobia and I don't want to be a Nanny bot. There is so great a need, Storm, such terrible danger. That's the spirit. Nanny's babies must be the happiest of lambs. Whatever Nanny wants, she always gets. Sherry, you okay? Says Gamut as he enters the room. And Storm wakes up. She freaks out and she takes that knife that she's had and it's under her pillow and she whips it at Gambit and just as it's about to connect with his forehead, she realizes what she's done and she transforms yet again into a anime girl. Uh, but Gambit, he's so fast and he's so cool that he swipes that dagger right out of the air. And that's when we get like a really good drawing of an anime child, but it's not Storm. <laughs> Even as the blade leaves her hand, she realizes her mistake, draws desperate breath for a warning she knows will come too late. She needn't have worried. And there's a there's an anime photo of her screaming and an anime photo of her relieved. Yep. And I only say anime because her eyes are gigantic. Yeah. Comically so. And then we get a great panel of Gambit catching the knife and then an okay panel of Gambit putting the knife down. Now you realize he's got his cigarette. He... Yeah drops the cigarette, grabs the knife, and then catches the cigarette all with the same hand. That's cool. That's how fast he goes. He's he's fast, but his hair gets really messy in that second panel. It does. He looks like his he, his hair, his face is emaciated. Something <laughs> it's like he went through a six month withdrawal program in between two panels. I think that's why I don't like his face mask. I wish he didn't have that little mask that doesn't cover your face mask. Well he won't in a few pages, so but I think that becomes his costume. It is his oh, yeah. costume. But yeah. yeah, it is. So anyways, they uh, Gambit's like, all right, well, what do you want to do? And she's like, I want to live my life. And he's like, okay, well, here's some clothes. Uh, get dressed. Let's go eat. You have value, Storm, because of who you are, what you've done, what you can do. And you have enemies. Hard place to be. Just, I didn't like this because he starts talking like Chris Claremont. He does the whole like hard place to be, harder, play, harder road to walk. Survive both better, I bet, on a full stomach. Got you some new frocks. So it's just very like, because Carmen loves his stilted sentences. And it's great for the characters that we know do that. It's not great for everybody else. Yep. So we go to probably a restaurant that uh, Gambit knows about. And uh, this woman serves uh, Storm up all this different kinds of food. And she's like, oh, my God, I'm so full. And she comes back, she's like, how about some gumbo and some bread pudding? And she's like, oh, I can't eat anymore. And Gambit's like, ah, just just try some. And then she eats it all. And then we get a really good panel of Gambit with his glasses like mm-hmm. lowered down to his nose. He looks super cool. And then we get a terrible panel of Gambit. Yep. With a cigarette in his mouth where he just kind of looks like a bozo. Yep. 
And this is a uh, classic Chris Claremont um, one page, uh, one panel, super descriptive where they just kind of uh, basically set the scene. It's it's very wordy. It's a a word montage, not a picture montage of everything that kind of leads them into what they're going to do next. And it's it's good Claremont, whereas in the previous page is bad Claremont where – not even bad Claremont, just the Claremont that you recognize and you're like, oh, that's Wolverine's voice. Uh, <laughs> this is good Claremont where he's just describing stuff. And I'm not going to read it, but it's it's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, and so the, ultimately what they do decide is that they're going to they're gonna see the country. They're going to rob from the rich, give to the poor, um, kind of run away from their problems, keep a low profile. Seems like they're, they're keeping their home quarters in... Uh, Baton Rouge, okay, uh, in New Orleans. But it seems like yeah, they're traveling all over the states as well. Uh, they hit bad guys only, ranging along the Gulf states from Florida Panhandle to South Texas, merrily looting the looters. And it's a cool little backstory that Chris Claremont does in one page, and then moves on, and it's awesome. I mean, I really like that. Like they, he gives us this whole epic sweeping sort of tale that kind of lasts who knows how long it's just storm and gamut go on the road they're stealing stuff sometimes they have their costumes on when they're stealing sometimes when they're eating cheeseburgers they just have their normal clothes on it it just paints a cool picture you almost want to see like the four-part limited series yeah except i'm i'm glad you don't right because it leaves it leaves so much more to the imagination whereas i feel like the four, the four month, the four, four month limited series could be awesome. You're right for sure, but it also might not be. So <laughs> it could also know. be terrible. <laughs> Plus, we get this great picture of Gambit shooting three cards mm-hmm. at the same time. And so that's what they've been doing for a while, weeks, months, perhaps we don't know. Uh, until one fine evening, uh, they are pursued at like a Mardi Gras parade. It looks like by Orphan Maker and ultimately Nanny, who has disguised herself as a float, sort yeah, of. Yeah, we, we cut to Gambit running from Peter, and he runs right past Storm and pretends not to recognize her so that Peter is thrown off that she's there. And then uh, Gambit gets kidnapped and pulled into the float. Storm's wearing like a ba- backward baseball cap, and I like it. Yeah, she's cool. Yeah. She's kind of like, uh, similar to the Jim Lee that, uh, Jim Lee, similar to the Jubilee that Jim Lee did a few issues ago. Yeah. It's kind of got that, uh, 90s, I want to say hipster, but, uh, not hipster, trendo, trendo. Because <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what they called them in the 90s. Yeah, that's what Look they called them. Look at those trendos. That's what they should have called them. <laughs> um, she, she, Storm thinks to herself that she has snared Gambit the way that she did me. No. That's silly. It was a grown-up who looked like me. That is all. But why is it that I also, why is it that I remember it? And she tries to put those memories aside. She sees uh, Gambit essentially being tortured, but uh, Gambit starts to kind of sweet-talk his way at Nanny, and she's starting to fall fall for it. More in a a few, they'd line up to do the worst, but I figure you're a kinder, generous soul, truly caring lady you are. How nice. You why you don't seem anywhere near so, and then Peter jumps in and it's like he's using sweet words to get you to do what he wants. So do you th- except in a robot voice? Think um, 
that they thought early on that Gambit would have like a power, like a power of convincing people with his words? Or do you think that they're like, no, he's just naturally a gift of gab? So it's been two issues in a row where he's used this ability, let's say. Uh, We don't know whether or not it's a power. It seems like because this is a mutant comic book that it's probably a power, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah, I like the idea that his mutant power is just uh, kinetically charging up objects to store potential energy and throwing them at it, and he just happens to be a very uh, uh, affable, is that the right word? Uh, sure. Yeah, guy. I think I think that's that's how it ultimately ends up. So whether or not they intended this to be a secondary power, I think ultimately it's just part of his character. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, Orphan Maker jumps in, throws Gambit aside, and... Um, Storm realizes she's... Because Storm is on the float now, and she... Or not the float, the ship, Nanny's ship. She realizes that her powers are not working uh, because of the ship, and she sees a cocoon, and then she has her final flashback of the issue where she remembers her adult self uh, shrinking into a child and managing to escape Nanny. Peter busts into the room where she is, but now she's hiding inside the Storm outfit, or the Storm, I guess, Nanny outfit. Storm Nanny Orphan Maker armor outfit. So I got to ask you, this picture of Peter running into the room, is this what inspired Zippo? Uh, Orphan Maker in general inspired Zippo. I I made some changes. I'll be slight. (laughs) Such that you could see like a little bit of his mouth and his nose. There's a human underneath it, but, but absolutely, like this is a obviously. Uh, well, I don't know about obviously, but he, you know he's an he, he's got the the cowly thing, so he kind of has like the Wolverine thing going on. Uh, he looks pretty cool here. So Zip, Zippo, I will uh, I will let the the listeners know is a. So when we were kids, as kids do, uh, we would draw our own comics, and Zippo was. Jeremy's character that yep. I uh, was very, very similar. Not exactly. Just mainly the mask was the similarity to Peter. Yep. Yep. Drawing comics as a kid. That's what you do. Yep. I still have some of my old I comics. don't think I have any of that stuff anymore. You know what I do have, Adam? And, and this could be a Patreon special. <laughs> I wrote a script for because when we were kids i think we've talked about this on our podcast before we would take out the handicam uh it wasn't so much a handicam it was a giant camcorder vhs uh, into the woods and we would film all sorts of goofy movies with uh, adam myself and i don't know one to four other people at any given mm-hmm. time and uh and we would edit them up and we would watch them and and it was fun I wrote, and we never wrote scripts. We we always improvised. I think towards the end, we started writing up like scene synopsises, but we still always just improvised all the dialogue because nobody wanted to bother write or memorizing lines. Um, but I after I, after you left, we we tried to take a uh, a road where in which we got more into involved in writing scripts, and there probably exists a handful of those where we actually attempted to do something based on a script. 
but it never really was as much fun. And so we ended up going back to the way of just <laughs> writing down plot synopsis on paper plates yeah. and carting those paper plates around with us as we shot scenes. Yep. And as soon as you're done, you just whip that paper plate out in the woods and you're on to the next synopsis. Um, I wrote a script of it's it's because we also we would do Star Trek Mm-hmm. movies and they were, they were those were probably the worst ones because they would just go on forever nobody really had an idea of what we're doing other than the captain sitting in the chair and somebody's going to yell out something and that's going to be with the the adventure that we go on um i wrote a script it was star trek 7 <laughs> in which we all played like kirk and spock and scotty and and like those characters uh it's probably not great but i wrote it when i was 16 and i printed it and i still have it and you want to you want to like uh, have that be a Patreon exclusive? Sure, we could we could read that script. We could do a a table read. Oh my god, we have to get like actors and stuff. Uh, I mean, we or people. it could just be me doing my voice that you totally dig. Yes, it could just be us doing three different voices each. And, and it was um, remember the one where I played all the zombies on a planet of zombies? Yes. And it was like all the zombies have mutated to look just like this guy. Yeah, well, no, you had to we exp- creative. You had to exp- explain those things away. Yeah. yeah. So there you go, a little little insight into the relationship of of Adam and Jeremy. That's all you'll get, unless there's enough interest for Star Trek Seven. I, there was a subtitle. I don't I don't remember what the subtitle is, and it's it's in a box on the other side of the basement. So I'm not going to go get it right now. I'm sure there's a ton of stuff in, in boxes that we have that we could like replicate somehow and give to people that are interested if they pay us lots of money (laughs) which is nobody (laughs) now i'm gonna have to go find it and read it because i'm sure it's i tried to be super funny but i'm sure it just it comes off i'm sure it comes off bad or cliche well i mean you shouldn't alter it that's for sure oh no do it oh no it'd have to be we should do it as bad or as good as it is oh yes i'm not advocating uh for any alterations at all. Although there, in some instances, we got pretty racy. So I don't know. We, we we might have to cut some things back. I This was written on my parents' computer and probably out of fear of them opening up the file. Anything racy uh, or probably sweary. Yeah. Uh, I don't think any of that exists in this. I think it's okay. it's, it's pretty PG, if if not even G. Excellent. Yeah. It's good, it's good stuff. It's family friendly. Anyways. So... Uh, I- Storm reveals that her claustrophobia is the thing that kind of pushed her over the edge and made her, um, it's sort of weird. It's, it's explained that because she got regressed into her past, she, that's why she thought she was in Cairo and, uh, the cost, the claustrophobia of being in the pod, uh, scared her enough to get her to escape from nanny but at that point, she still thinks she's in Cairo, but she's obviously not. Yep. It's, it's a little bit wordy how it's explained, but that's the gist. And I think my explanation was probably even more wordy. <laughs> uh, she doesn't want to get into this thing, um, but she does uh, because this has been a thing of her nightmares. Uh, but Gambit has been captured. Gambit is tied up. And uh, uh, Peter is about to give him what for until Storm steps out with her armor. She shoots it at Orphan Maker, but Orphan Maker's armor's stronger and it doesn't do any damage whatsoever. Nice shooting, but my armor's a lot tougher in your guns. Cosboys are meant to be stronger and bigger and 
you can't hurt me a bit. On the other hand, he falls over as Storm shoots her even more. No shooting inside the ship, says Nanny. Well, it's weird because he falls down when he says, on the other hand, but then she gets back up, or he gets back up, rather, and kind of does the little nose thing. Yeah, yeah, you missed me. Uh, And Storm is like, that was my intent. And instead of hitting Orphan Maker, she hits the computer behind him. Whole computer blows up, which surprises them. And that's when Storm comes in and gives Orphan Maker a doozy of a punch. The fight is over, Orphan Maker. You lose. Pow. It's pretty sweet. Uh, The punch ruptured every circuit in the suit. It's busted, but she gets out. And uh, this is when we get to see uh, another uh, little little strip of um, Gambit. Uh, <laughs> this one I also tried to replicate, but I don't think I was ever able to get this one right. I think every time I tried to draw this one, it came out looking ugly. It's a lot of shadows, so yeah. shadow is probably pretty tricky. I think it's the shadows that threw me because I didn't know how to do shadowing. He does a cool little card trick, uh, Gambit, where he the card kind of falls out of his sleeve, and he obviously charges it up and throws it into the back of Nanny before she's able to attack Storm and the uh, Nanny ship crashes into the river and uh, Gambit and Storm emerge. Take a bad breath, Sherry. We got air. Nanny, orphan maker, says Storm. Barely able to save our own backside, Stormy. Not even a ghost of a chance. <laughs> I've gone a little shaggy there. <laughs> to uh, To try for them. They don't get out on their own. They're still inside at the bottom of the swamp. Won't hear no sobs from me about that neither. Good riddance, I say. Good riddance, I say. Um, We work pretty well together. Be a shame to break up the team just when we're getting started. And then Storm says, but I am afraid there is more to this than just you and I. You're talking different. Voice sounds older. It is. I am. No longer quite the girl you befriended. Tell me, Gambit, have you ever heard of a band of mutant heroes called the X-Men? The X-Men, you say? And he says, X-Men, X-Men, saving the day, saving the day. Isn't that how that theme song went? That's how the original one went, yeah. 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 Saving the day, saving the day. This issue was written by Chris Claremont. The art was by... Homage Studios, Lee, Portacio, and Williams. Tom Wojciechowski's lettering, Glennis Oliver's The Colors, Bob Harris is the editor-in-chief, and Tom DeFalco is the editor-in-chief. And I wonder, is Image what Homage ultimately becomes? <laughs> Very similar in names. Uh, well, I guess sort of. I mean, uh, McFarlane and Liefeld and Jim Valentino and uh, Eric Larson are not a part of Homage Studios, but Homage Studios, I think, does ultimately get absorbed by Image Studios because all these guys, uh, Jim Lee, Will Sportatio, and Scott Williams, go over to Image. So when they say it's Lee, Portacio, and Williams, does that mean that Lee and Portacio were taking turns doing various pieces of this book and Scott Williams just inked it all? I think so, but I think it's only like – it looks like that last panel of Storm – um, doesn't look like a Jim Lee drawing. The very last panel. Yeah. Other than that, it's I mean, got the same doughy eyes, but you're you're right. It it doesn't quite have the amount of detail. 
So I feel like maybe he filled in in a panel here and there, um, but I don't know. Maybe he did like the um, the uh, flashbacks. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, if it's 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 very difficult to tell. Yeah, if it is that way. There's no uh, no criticisms, no complaints about any of that. Um, it's just interesting because this is the first, and I wonder if that was like a thing, like in the Marvel bullpen when they turned this issue in and they're like, no, 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 no. It's art by homage studios. It's not Lee penciler breakdowns, Portacio inker Williams. It's well, does homage this continue? Studios. I don't I think it does. Don't but I could really No. Look at the next issue. If I can find it. Jeez. The next issue, it just says Jim Lee's the penciler. Scott Williams is the anchor. So we don't get an homage studio. So do you think maybe they snuck it in? And afterwards, Tom DeFalco is like, guys, uh-uh, we're Marvel. We're better than this. No, I think <laughs> the artists at this point were like the getting away with whatever they wanted. I think because Will's Portatio had nothing to do with the next issue, oh, they couldn't, sure. they couldn't, I guess, call it homage studios. Maybe who knows? The point is, Storm's back, yep. and she's inside a, a, a body of a ten-year-old or something like that. But she's got her brain back, so that's that's cool. Next, Madripoor Knights, not Madripoor Days, Jeremy. Madripoor Knights. Oh, those hot Madripoor Knights! They're the worst. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, there you go. That was uh, X Men number two sixty-seven. The last appearance for a while for uh, Nanny and the Orphan Maker and the Shadow King for a little bit, too. Um, well, actually, no, less so the Shadow King, more so Leanne. Leanne does come back. She does come back, uh, not for another 12 or so issues or something like that. Okay. Uh, Nanny doesn't come back for quite a while. Okay. Sorry. I'm okay with that. If you're a big Nanny fan, she's not dead, but... She won't be back for a while. Remember, Nanny is the catalyst for all the children that are hidden behind the Pentagon still. Are those the Inferno children? Yes. Okay. Keep, keep that in your back <laughs> of your mind. Just every, you know, every so often I'll try to remind us that, that there's still children hidden in the basement of the Pentagon. And who knows? It's a good thing to note. Yeah, maybe they're saved in like a, a Marvel Comics Presents or something. It could be. Or not. Maybe everybody forgot about them. And there's just these. Marvel Comics Presents from now on is just like Wolverine. Yeah. All right. Well, that there you go. So uh, no letters this week. Well, none that I logged anyway. I think we probably got one or two, and I just haven't transported them over to the show notes. Okay. Apologies. But they'll show up at some point. We read all your letters, and yeah. we publish most of them. So if you want to drop us a line, please do so. Visit us at www.xmenpodcast.com. Go out to facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast. Uh, you can Twitter us at Danger Room Go. Email us, Danger Room at xmenpodcast.com. Or go out to iTunes and subscribe. Leave us some stars uh, or, or whatever you'd like to do there. Uh, we're also, as, as we mentioned, have lots of content on patreon.com. Who knows? Maybe even a table read of a script I wrote um, how many years ago was that? Too many years ago <laughs> on Patreon. Or yeah, not. sure. If you care, we can dig up our old garbage for you. <laughs> I've got plenty of it too. Treasures. Yes, yes. Uh, one man's treasures. 
Now, the difference is I only have one piece of treasure. I think when you have multiple pieces of treasure, that's when it's trash, and you got to pick just one. Oh, you've got more than one. You've got drawings. You've got all I sorts. Don't, I got no drawings. I just have the one script. You don't have any old drawings of no. Zippo? They're all gone. I don't know what happened to them. That's impressive. Yeah. Through through all of my moves and such, somehow this one script followed me along. Actually, you know what I just got rid of? Uh, and, and this could have been a good Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary podcast giveaway. I had a whole bunch of Marvel and X-Men cards from 91, 92, 93. Oh. I just put them out on Facebook Marketplace for free. I was like, get these out of my life. That could have been a good pay, uh, giveaway. Yeah, well, I don't have them anymore. That's us, always thinking about our fans. <laughs> but you know what I do have? I have a full collection of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle cards, which it's like a hundred cards that basically comprise like one animated episode. Is that the cartoon? Okay, you said animated, so yeah, that's the, like an early '90s, uh, the the original cartoon. Yeah, yep, yep. I've got that. I've also got um, a full set of uh, Dinosaurs Attack. I think I have that too. <laughs> so I, I kept some stuff, but this was like a, a whole bunch of like duplicates of of things that I've just been carrying around with me for so long that I was like, no, it's got to go. I need it out of my life. So if you're interested in owning our hoarder garbage, just let us know. <laughs> Go out to patreon.com forward slash hoarder garbage and uh, <laughs> subscribe to our weekly garbage giveaways. We've got stuff that we've been hauling around for years. Years. True that, True that yo. I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. There you go. And hey, let us know. Let us know what you think of my gambit voice, because if you if you if everybody hates it, I'll probably still keep it. I don't I don't hate it, Adam. Well, okay, then I definitely am going to keep it. Uh, our theme music is provided by Laszlo Hollyfeld. Sure is. <laughs> <laughs> and they there you go. We got. Uh, uh, we're going to wrap this one up early again. Uh, we've got a bit too much material on the back end. So we're going to turn it into another full episode for you, which will be getting hot next week off the presses. Look forward to that one. Until next time, my name's Jeremy. My name's Adam. The Danger Room is closed. <laughs>